Everybody else, while they're clearing out, if you could go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be in Philippians 3, verse 12. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open there. It'll be on the screens as well. You can have your phone out. And Izzy, one of our high school leaders, is going to be reading God's Word for us this morning. So, go ahead, Izzy. Take it away. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if, any, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold what it, hold true to what we have obtained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the Christ of cross, of the cross of Christ. In the end, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, their, they glory in their shame, and their mind set on earthly things. Our citizenship is in heaven, and for we, from it we await a Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself or to yeah therefore my brothers whom I love and long for my joy and crown stand firm thus in the Lord my beloved Izzy thank you thank you great job you may be seated I almost went with uh, the word of the Lord Thanks be to God. Yeah, there we go. I was wondering what denomination people are part of if I said that out loud. Philippians 3.12 is a fascinating passage, and if we don't catch all of it, we're going to miss what he is really emphasizing here. I hope you had a great fall break. I have uh, not been a part of a fall break in Cobb County before uh, in Athens, uh, our son Judah still went to preschool during fall break. But here, it's like everything shuts down. It's like, hey, let's have parties in the park or let's go on vacation. This is our time to go somewhere. And I asked Bethany, our operations director here, I asked her, I said, what is it like here during fall break? And she gave the, the response that I, I feel so strongly when I travel is that, it was restful and it was stressful. I don't know if you've ever felt that before, where it's like, man, that was so restful. We went to the beach, yet my kid has sand in places he shouldn't have sand. I got to make sure I go see all of these things. Maybe you didn't even go with kids. You're like, oh man, we're in this location. We got to go here. We got to see this. We got to go after this. And it can tend to be a bit stressful or anxious. You might even have to have worked still during fall break. You might have worked online. It might be stressful things or anxious things or tired things. And I just want to ask a, a very honest question this morning. How many of you feel that? How many of you feel maybe stressed or tired or stuck in a rut? How many of you feel maybe some of those anxious things? Just raise your hand if you, did one of those hit you. Yeah. Well, at the same time, what's interesting is we feel that, 
But yet God has something very unique for us this morning, individually. So I want to ask another question. How many of you want all that God has for you? How many of you want all that? Yeah, there we go. And if you missed that, maybe you're so tired you didn't raise your hand. <laughs> well, have we got a passage for you? What, a, what an infomercial intro that was. Have we got a passage for you? So much so that the message version in Philippians 3.15, it says this. Let's look at the beginning of 3.15. So let's keep focused on the goal, those of us who want all that God has for us. That's the, that's the version from the message in Philippians 3. And so, if you feel tired, stressed, stuck in a rut, the prayer team had this word that some of us feel weary. I think that is a strong word to use as well to describe this. We're over here, yet we are called to go and walk in all that God has for us. And the amazing thing is, Paul has this passage where he shows us somewhat of this race, if you will, on how to pursue those things when we are living right here. And so let's look at the beginning and answer this question. How do we begin walking in all that God has for us when we're tired, we're stressed, we're weary, or we're stuck in a rut? How do we begin walking in those things? Philippians 3 Verse 12 says this, not that I have obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on. The word perfect there is used to describe what we heard last week, the Judaizers who are in this church of the Philippians hanging out among these people. And they're saying, oh, guess what? You can be perfect. It can be obtained. You can achieve perfection. And if you remember Genesis, it does sound similar to what the snake said in the garden of like, you can be God. This can be achieved by you. And so he's flat out calling them out here. Paul is. He's saying, I am not perfect, but I press on. If we want to begin Stepping into the things that God has for us from a place of tiredness. We must press on when things aren't perfect. Paul uses this language of pressing on. We press on, hold on, strain on. Even if you have the ESV at the very top, it says strain towards the goal. Wow. Okay, I'm already tired. I'm already stressful. It says strain towards the goal. And he says, well, the way that you can actually move forward is recognizing that you aren't perfect. The message actually says this as well. He says, I press on when I don't have it all together. And for me, that hits home. In January of 2020, my life changed forever. I was hanging out with some friends at our house in Athens, and as I was sitting there, I, I rest my hands on my head, and I had this sharp pain on the top of my head. And I was like, oh, wow, guys, I have this sharp pain on the top of my head all of a sudden. And my friend was like, must have gotten bit by a spider or something. I was like, okay, well, maybe. 
It's just, it just feels different than a spider bite. I've been bitten by it. like, no, 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 no. It's a spider bite. I'm sure of it. I was like, okay. I don't know if you have one of those friends who just feels so certain they know what's going on. And so I hit it, and then it felt like I had been, like, electrocuted in the head. It was like a lightning bolt had hit my head. And maybe some of you already know what it is now. But when I hit it, the room starts to spin. And I tell them, I was like, you guys can stay here as long as you want. I'm trying to be hospitable. <laughs> but I'm going to go be sick. And so I ran to the bathroom. I got sick. I didn't know what it was. I was like, okay, maybe it is a spider. So I go to the doctor the very next day. And I'm sitting there, and the doctor's looking at me. And I'll never forget this. He looks at me and goes, are you okay? I was like, yeah. It's, I know this spider bite really just hurts, but I'm okay. He looks at me and goes, have you been through some traumatic experience? And I'm like, I didn't know this was like a therapy session. I'm just here at my family physician trying to get some medication, you know, some ointment. What a fun word, by the way, ointment. I'm trying to get some ointment and get out of here. And he looks at me, he goes, you have shingles. And not only just shingles, you have what's called Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. And what's going to happen is the whole right side of your face is going to go into some sort of paralysis. That's what's coming. And so the good thing about it, just a caveat, was that we were able to catch it so early, it wasn't the worst. I don't know if you've ever had shingles. I don't think I've had some uh, kind of experiences that maybe y'all have had. Uh, but I did experience the paralysis. But here's the interesting thing. I told my family that I had shingles and what was to come. But yet, I didn't tell anybody else. So I kept going into work. I kept hanging out with people. And there were times I would be sitting in meetings. And you could just see a pause over my face where I wanted to say something. But my face was losing its feeling. And so I was stuttering. It sounded like I had a lisp. And I was trying to just hold it together. And then we had some more friends over. And as, no joke, I remember this vividly. I was on, this, on, on our back uh, porch. And I started drinking water. And it began to run down my shirt. And in that moment... Right after that, I just felt like the Lord spoke to me. He said, this, this is my son. And you would think, it's like, in whom I'm well pleased. But, and he is pleased in me, but he's like, this is my son who is trying to perform in his pain. This is my son who's trying to be perfect, and he doesn't even know how much pain he's really in. I was so shocked that I had shingles. I was like, what? What's going on? I, I know it comes from deep stress, so am I stressed? Like, I was so caught up in performing that I didn't recognize the pain that was eating away at me inside. And so in that moment, I was like feeling the weight of that, and I ended up hiding it. And so for some of us, even myself, when I feel tired, when I feel stressed, two things are happening. I'm hiding something I don't need to be hiding, and I'm carrying something I don't need to be carrying. 
And in that moment, I just felt this tired or stress or weight. And the Lord said to me, hey, my burden is light. If you want to be healed, just be honest. If you want to be healed from what's going on within you, be honest. And so for me, what it looked like to be honest was just start telling people, it's like, I have shingles and I'm stressed. And that's all I could say because I didn't even know what I was stressed about. Like I didn't fully understand all the stress that I had. And so in that moment, I just took this one step into being honest. Celebrate recovery, if you've heard of that. They have this phrase at the very beginning. Whether you're in Celebrate Recovery or not in Celebrate Recovery, it says, we all have hurts, ill habits, and hang-ups. And the way to be healed from those is to take that first step of being honest. And if you've ever been in Celebrate Recovery, you know, you stand up and you say, hey, my name is this, and I'm going through this. It's that first step of healing is being honest. And if you feel stuck, if you feel over here this morning, some of us, the very first steps are the hardest steps. I mean, me going to the gym is just a win, okay? If I can actually drive there, that's a win for me to start this new habit of working out. And so for us, sometimes the first step is just being honest and saying, I'm tired. If it's looking at our spouse and saying, I'm worn out, I'm stuck in a rut, I'm going through a lot, I'm carrying a lot. I've got these things, and and that's so hard for us. But he's saying, hey, if you want to press on into the things that God has for you, you have to take the small step of being honest and recognizing you don't have it all together, and that is okay. You don't have to be perfect. To press on into what God has for you, you can be honest. Now, like I said, he's hitting this word perfect, about these Judaizers. And so we see that he's saying, hey, press on. And you don't have to be perfect. Press on when things aren't going perfect. But he also now describes the Judaizers as, hey, they think they're perfect, but this is what they're really like. Has this verse in Philippians 3. And let's start at the end of 18. They think they're perfect, But they're this, it says this, they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame. With minds set on earthly things. So he's saying, they think that they have captured perfection. And yet, They are caught up in these temptations from the enemy. It kind of reminds me of the passage with Jesus in the wilderness. And he goes through these three temptations. He's naming these temptations. He's saying, hey, you think that you've got perfection, yet you've got caught up in all of these temptations. And Jesus is faced with these three ideas as well. And so we have an illustration that I want to walk us through when it comes to first, hey, let's being honest and step into healing. There are these temptations that we can all tend to gravitate towards, one more so than the other. 
And so these Judaizers are being tempted with this. And now also, we see that Jesus is being tempted with this when we look at, the, at, this, uh, at this diagram. So let's go ahead and go to this triangle. They all start with A if you're taking notes. Write this down. But the first thing that we see in this passage is their God is their belly. And we'll label that as appetite. And if you remember Jesus' story, he's being tempted and say, hey, you're hungry, you've been fasting, turn this rock into bread. There's another one here. It says this, that their glory is their shame. They're looking for glory. They're looking for approval from, from other people to, to actually gain this glory for who they are from the people around them. He said, hey, Jesus is being tempted by the enemy. He says, hey, if, if God approves of you, he'll catch you when you jump. And then there's another one here, and it says this. It says, their mind is set on earthly things, and we call this ambition. Now, all of these things can be good things. They can also all be unhealthy things or things that are hidden. And in this ambition one, he's saying you're trying to get your mind on all these earthly things. You're trying to do all of these things, gain all of these things. And then he also referenced the enemy to Jesus that you can get these kingdoms of the world. And so for you, when you look at these things, they also apply to you. They apply to me. Appetite has this key question of, do I have enough? Now, we can say, oh, yeah, it's all about food, but it's also about material things like clothes. If you're one of those Zillow searchers like myself looking for like, oh, how can I get a leg up? How can I get the most bang for my buck? How can I go get this house, invest here, do this, whatever? You're checking out the housing market or you're checking out what's the new style, what's the new clothes, what's the new thing, maybe appetite is that thing for you that help that maybe you tend to drift into? Or maybe it's approval, where you're looking for people like, hey, am I enough? And you look for this approval for, for or excuse me, from these other people. Or the last thing, ambition. Did I do enough? It's like at the end of my life, did I do enough? Did I do the right thing? When I have this drive to go accomplish all of these things, did I get all of it? For you, what is it? For me, it would be this approval piece. It would be, hey, does this person like me? Did I do, like, am I, am I enough? Have I shown myself or performed this way into winning someone's approval? What is it for you? Allie has been leading our staff through some amazing conversations on rest and work. And one of the things that she used, a phrase that she used, is there are sometimes we drift into things to numb ourselves or reward ourselves. And so for you, if you're facing a hard thing or you feel stuck, which one are you drifting into to maybe numb yourself? It's like, oh man, I had a really long day. It was really difficult. Now I'm going into one of these things on the triangle. Or reward yourself. Like, oh, I'm about to have a really hard conversation. I'm about to have to let somebody go. I'm about to have a hard conversation with my family members. And when I get done with that, I will then gain one of these three things. Which one is it 
for you. And think about it this way, if you're having a hard time with it. I want you to name it. You're not going to say it out loud. But for you, sometimes we have to look back at our old self. We have our new self in Christ, but there are still these lingering things that maybe we grab onto and drift back into our old self or our old habits. So what is it for you that you might be wrestling with? Because I got good news for you. So you might want to write it down because when we get to this third point, it's going to have kind of an amazing, beautiful, magnificent solution right here in the text. And so what is it for you that maybe you drift into? There's an amazing story called the Miracle Mile. I've been even heard of it in 1954. Miracle Mile, 1954. Let me check my notes so I just I have the right names here. Here we go. So we have two guys who are the fastest guys at the time, Roger Bannister from England and John Landy from Australia. And they're running this race in Canada to prove who is the fastest runner. And what you see in this image is John Landy looking over his left shoulder with 90 yards left to go. And as he's looking over his left shoulder, Roger Bannister is passing him by as he looks forward to the goal or the end. And for me, when I look at this image, this is how I live my life sometimes. I'm always looking over my shoulder I'm always looking back and drifting into what is behind me instead of looking at what is forward. And Paul actually hits on this in 13. says this, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I strain forward to what lies ahead. And so for us, as we look at our old self, there's some times that we can drift into one of these words. And Paul is saying this, not only do you press on when things aren't perfect, he said, you also press on when there are things that pull for your attention. So you might be tired or stressed or feeling like you're stuck in a rut, And you might be saying, okay, yes, I want all that God has for me, but there's this thing. This is so hard, I'm going to escape reality and seek the approval of others, or I'm going to go buy this thing, or I'm going to go after this thing of my own selfish ambition. It's getting really hard, so I'm just going to go drift back into maybe the way that I was. And he's saying, don't look back, but actually press on when things are pulling for your attention. So we've looked at how we press on when things aren't perfect. We also press on when things pull for our attention. But you still might be feeling this, and I'm feeling this at this point of like, okay, this seems stressful. I'm supposed to press on when things aren't perfect, okay? Hey, I'm a mess. Hey, I got a lot of things going on. Hey, this is tough. Or press on when things pull for your attention. Hey, yeah, I'm just, you know what? I I screwed up. Yep, I messed up, but it happens. 
And sometimes we go back into this mode and we think, okay, I can't really press on in what I do or try to be who I am on my own through performing or try to gain all of these things. Well, just like this passage, this is very similar to running a race. And what you see are three things from start to finish. What I'm going to do is I I want the band to go ahead and come up for this last little piece. If this is like a race, there is some amazing things in this passage from start to finish. And if we don't see it, we're going to press on and keep trying to perform. But here are the three things that you'll see throughout this passage. It says this in 3.12. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He's saying, before I press on, I realize this first, is that Christ has made me his own. The idea of approval, if that's your thing, which is my thing, I hold on to this verse where I recognize, wait a minute, he's made me his own. I am living from his approval. This is how the race is beginning in this passage. You struggle with approval, he has made me his own so I can actually press on. I can actually move forward. I can actually keep going because I'm living from approval, not for others' approval. Because he chose me. He made me his own. I'm holding on to that. If approval is your thing, hold on to that. Here's the next thing. In verse 15, he keeps saying, in 14, he says, I press on towards the goal. And maybe you don't get it right now, but here's the next thing. God will reveal that also to you. If you struggle with ambition and saying, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing enough things? Am I going to get the right thing? Am I, am I achieving the right thing? He's saying, God will reveal it to you. If you struggle with maybe an unhealthy ambition, hold on to that. He will reveal. As you press on, he will reveal. He'll make your path known as you go. And then there's another promise in here. He talks about this in 19. He says, oh, their God is their belly. Their glory is in their shame. And he says this, but however, our citizenship is in heaven. If you struggle with the idea of appetite of like, I've just got to have things to actually suffice to make it through the tired, stressful rut that I'm in, hold on to this reality that your citizenship is in heaven, that you are living from heaven and for heaven, that you were made for an eternal home of things that never run out. You're trying to get a bunch of stuff? Your citizenship is in heaven. Everything that you need, you have at your disposal. And so you don't have to go and gain all of these things or get all of these things. Your citizenship is in heaven. Throughout this whole passage, there is this reality 
is that all of this was not earned. All of this wasn't achieved. But he's saying this, he's saying, this first was, was by God's grace, his favor that he has on you. And so the third point here is that we, we can press on by his grace. We can press on constantly fueled by his grace. One of my favorite passages in scripture, Titus 2, 11 through 14 It talks about this idea of God's grace. Let's look at this. For the grace of God has appeared. It brings salvation to all people. Usually I stop there. I'm like, okay, God's grace saved me. And now I've just got to press on with my own power, my own strength. I've got to get through this. I got to perform. I got to keep it going. But he says, no, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation and It trains us. Like this race, it goes with us. It works with us. It works in us. It works through us. And so what we see is that it's not that God's grace just saves us, but that it trains us. It appears to us. It walks with us. It's these promises that are given, even though we didn't deserve it, that he reveals, hey, you're mine. And at the same time, guess what? I'll continue to reveal to you where I want you to go by my grace, not by your effort. This isn't, you know, effort Marietta. What a terrible name for a church. (laughs) Or, you know, performance-based Marietta or works-based Marietta. This is grace Marietta, meaning that in his grace, we can press on. By his grace, we can press on. Through his grace, we can press on. And it's a grace that does not run out. There's nothing that we've done to earn that or deserve that, but we have been given that because God's good. It's because that's who he is. And so if you feel stuck this morning, press on. First, press on when things aren't perfect. Press on when you don't have it all together. He's like, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. You're tired, you're stuck, you're stressed, you're trying to think about the next thing. Maybe for you, you've got the appetite struggle right now, and you're like, where are we going to lunch? I'm not thinking about the sermon. That's me almost every Sunday. But he says, hey, my grace is more than enough. You don't have to give in to the old way. There's things that are pulling for your attention. I see it. I get it. He's saying, hey, would you just trust me and know that I will reveal to you how you can press on. So press on when you don't have it all together. Press on when there's even things pulling for your attention. Set your sight ahead of you towards this goal of being with Christ. Don't look back. You're just going to get sucked back into this place where you feel like I don't know if you feel this way but whenever I give into one of those appetite ambition and approval I afterward I'm like what was I thinking I'm like you know 30 hot wings bitten that's enough on the appetite okay like you've kind of done a little overboard you drifted a little too far and so 
He's saying, keep your eye on the prize, even if there's things pulling for your attention. But at the same time, know this, that when you press on, you are being fueled by his grace. That God's grace goes with you. It's before you. And that you live from that place. I just want to take a moment right now as we move into worship just to hold our hands out. This is, we're going to do a benediction later, but we also hold our hands out as a, as a place of surrender or, or honesty. So I want us to do that now. God, we want to walk into all that you have for us. We want to see the things that you want to show us. And so if there's places of our lives that we've been hiding, we surrender them to you. If there's places of our lives that have been pulling for our attention, we give you those things. Those are nothing compared to you. They're empty. And by your grace, you renew and you redeem our appetites, our approvals, and our ambitions. And you make them holy. You make them healthy. And so, Lord, we want to give you those things. Help us to live in the things that you have for us. And Lord, we ask most of all that we would see your grace in everything that we do. See it in our children, see it at our workplace, see it when we're putting our head on the pillow, when we're going to lunch, whatever it may be, Lord, help us to see your unmerited favor towards us. May we feel and sense your grace breathing life into the places that were once eating us alive. Pray by your spirit that you would heal all of these honest areas. We give them to you now. We know that you don't just throw out all of these things and just put us in a completely new circumstance with a completely new life, Lord, you redeem, you buy back. You choose, yes, Lord, you choose us despite our weaknesses or the things that are hidden. You know our frame. You know all of us, yet you still chose us. Lord, I'm a mess, yet you still chose me. You looked at the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you said that's what you want. Lord, thank you for choosing. May we walk from that reality, knowing that you will walk with us every step of the way, revealing to us, and knowing that we hold the keys to the kingdom. So we don't have to be afraid to press on. We can press on in hope. We can begin to taste even the small steps of admitting. We can take the small steps and begin tasting your goodness that's been there the whole time.